warm feelings probably do not arise in many of our hearts when saints are mentioned. They often seem remote, having little apparently to do with our own lives. Many see them as a category of superior beings far removed from ourselves. And we live with the legacy of Protestantism, which, while good in so many ways, in trying to uh, moderate, correct the cult of the saints, Protestantism has tended historically to minimize our connection with particular saints and with saints in general. And yet this date has long, long been on the calendar. All Saints Day, November 1st, All Saints Sunday. And looking around this building, we might begin to get a different perspective on saints. On all sides of this great cathedral, we see images of Christian saints and their Old Testament precursors calling us and urging us toward the Christ who is front and center and whose grace allows us to participate in the life of God, the Holy Trinity, and in the life of God's family, the church. I think the tour guides point out, I may be wrong, that these saints on the two sides are sort of turned this way, leading us, pointing us to Christ. These images attest that the saints are alive thanks to the risen Lord we have in common and that they are our companions as we journey together toward the wonders God has in store for us. So it's a very happy day. These companions are, by definition, passionate people, following the example of our Lord. I like what Brother Keith Nelson, an Episcopal monk, said about Jesus' own passion, enthusiasm. He said, Jesus was madly, insanely in love with his God, enabling him to confer a healing sanity on those around him. And saints share this quality of seemingly boundless love and enthusiasm for God, maybe seeming even insane at times, but for good reason. Uh, they're so overflowing with their devotion to God and enthusiasm for God's kingdom. This reminds me of that story in Luke's gospel of the woman who, at a dinner hosted by a Pharisee, washed Jesus' feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, kissed them, and anointed them with costly ointment. She knew how much she had been forgiven and restored, and so, as Jesus observed, she showed great love. Such passion, stemming from gratitude to God, characterizes all the saints. Luke, of course, gives us numerous examples, both in his gospel and in its sequel, the Acts of the Apostles. One prime example, of course, is the Blessed Virgin Mary herself, who is represented by no less than five images in this cathedral. She's up above me here, somewhere. She's there at the front of the nave on the uh, north side. She's in the baptistry in a window. She's in the, the north transept in the window. And there's a statue of her next to uh, Jesus, her son. So she's pretty important. 
Um, and uh, we honor her in that way. It's not worship, but it's honoring and recognizing what God has done and is doing in her. And we, we have in our liturgy quite often Mary's song of praise, which we call the Magnificat, which she offered during her pregnancy with Jesus. Um, and it's so familiar from evensong and evening prayer that we lose sight sometimes of the passion behind it. And don't let that Elizabethan language uh, fool you. She is, she is ecstatic. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him in all generations. She's just, she's just out there, you know, and caught up in the spirit. This is a passionate testament of faith, if there ever was one. Our Lord's mother in the Magnificat is praising God from the depths of her being for choosing her, for raising her up, and not just for herself, but as a means by which all God's people, uh, we, would be chosen and raised up. Turning point in human history, God's interaction with God's people, the moment at which a new day is dawning. Mary cannot praise God enough. Saints, like Mary, share God's own passion for the well-being, not of self, but of others, an ideal that today's gospel highlights. Saints love what God loves and long for what God longs for. They are, we might say, on fire with love, which reflects God's own self-giving love, and they call us to join them in this passionate approach to life. If we follow Jesus, that's the way we're going to live. In their 1979 book, The Passionate People, Keith Miller and Bruce Larson note that each of us has two basic options in life, the way of self and the way of love. Two lines from T.S. Eliot's poem, Little Gidding, encapsulate this point. Eliot writes, We only live, only suspire, consumed by either fire or fire. As Miller and Larson explain, most of us know only too well that hell, however you comprehend it, is fueled by the fires of hate, jealousy, indifference, indulgence, greed, selfishness, or smugness. The other choice is the life Jesus calls us to, and it is also fire or passion. He, in his passion, has loved us totally, withholding nothing, suffering everything. When we respond to his passion, he calls us to become lovers by his spirit. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. In every century, bands of his followers have understood this and have become the passionate people of God. They are filled with the other, the creative kind of, love, of fire, the fire of love. The saints attest to the biblical truth that this way of God, 
This way of the cross is the only way to true life, eternal life, and peace. As an old Methodist hymn puts it, all other ground is sinking sand. <laughs> but we, as wonderful as that sounds, we often shrink back from this life, realizing the cost of loving God and others rather than self. We fear we might become too passionate, that we might have to make sacrifices, that we might have to change. As today's gospel tells us, it will probably lead to trouble if we follow Jesus. Scripture often emphasizes that discipleship can involve us in struggles and even battles. Today we read about Daniel having a vision soon after being delivered from the lion's den. The four great beasts he sees symbolize real historical kingdoms that were antithetical to God and God's purposes. Those kingdoms seemed really strong and threatening, but Daniel tells us, his vision tells us, that those kingdoms will nevertheless give way to God, whose kingdom will prevail and whose holy ones will possess it. The saints will triumph, we understand, thanks be to God, but only after struggle. Now, when we, we shy away from it, but we also get encouragement, as the first century Christians did, encouragement to persevere in the letter to the Hebrews, my favorite book in the Bible, which vividly describes saintly Old Testament figures ultimately prevailing, but only after great trials. You see, these Christians that were written to uh, were struggling with persecution, all sorts of doubts and, and um, discouragement. Um, but Hebrews at first says, yeah, it's going to cost a lot to follow God. Look at these Old Testament examples, and here's a taste of the language. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They were, went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Are you encouraged yet? <laughs> well, you will be, because the author goes on to note that these folks' suffering, like that of Christ, pave the way for something glorious which all generations leading up to Jesus, the faithful will now uh, share. And so the author then reaches this culmination, which is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. He's, uh, the author says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, our self-orientation and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God now are you encouraged yeah I am 
You see, those who love Jesus, who, who love as Jesus loved, will triumph in the end. If we just join with him, join forces, then the outcome is assured, and it'll be glorious beyond anything we can imagine. Faced with the model of Jesus and the saints through the ages, I have to admit that my, my own passion for God and for following God's way of love rather than the way of self is relatively low-burning. Sorry, but it's true. Much of the time, I'm more excited by other things, self-oriented things like good books, food and drink, stimulating company, professional accomplishments, travel, and the beautiful things of this world. All of these are gifts from God and therefore good. But if we're not careful, we can make gods of those good things, approaching them as ends in themselves or as a means of escaping engagement with God and community. They can, they're good, but they can get in the way. It, all of this can amount to what the book of Ecclesiastes calls vanity. Okay, I'm, I'm subject to that, I confess. Maybe some of you are too. And yet the beautiful thing, the saving thing, is that God can use even our selfish instincts to draw us to a place where we can begin to love God and others. God is working within us and among us despite our sinfulness so that we can begin to be in practice the saints that we already are through baptismal grace. Today's passage from the letter to the Ephesians beautifully expresses joy that while we are not there yet, we are on our way to new life through God's grace in Christ and through the Holy Spirit given to us in baptism. Paul sees this spirit within us as the pledge of our redemption as God's own people. We have hope because we, with all the saints, have the same power working in us that raised Jesus himself from the dead. <laughs> Can't get greater than that. God's power working in us as it worked to redeem the saints in ages past can, Paul assures us, do, these are his words, do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. So we celebrate this not only possibility of redemption, but destiny of life in God, through God, for God, which never ends. We can be transformed. We can be changed more and more so that we can show forth in our lives what we profess by our faith, loving as God loves and longing for what God longs for. All Saints Day, All Saints Sunday, my friends, remind us who we are and who we are called to be and can be through the grace of God and it sends us forth joyfully to continue in the company of those who love and serve the Lord with full and devoted hearts. <laughs>